I mean, it's pretty incredible what you've built, Rodian. 77,000 subscribers, only 236 videos. That's pretty bloody epic. I, I love hearing from people who have built something that wasn't actually to do with the purpose of starting a business, but has you know, it's turned into something and, and has created a lot of potential. So tell us a little bit about your YouTube channel. Why did you start it? Like, where did it all begin in terms of what you were doing, why you decided to start documenting it? Give us a bit of insight into that. Yeah, first of all, thank you very much for having me on, on your show. It's uh, quite a privilege. And yeah, where did it start? So from, from, from quite a while ago, I used to just watch YouTube. Like, I'm a bit of a nerd. I like watching people play computer games and that's kind of where it started. So I used to watch people on YouTube and thought nothing more of it. And then I, so I'm a bricklayer. I've been laying bricks since I was 17. And so in my head, the two and two never really went together until I saw a video about this guy who I followed. He's, he's like a photography YouTuber. And one of his videos was just like, why don't you give it a go? Just everyone out there, just give it a go and try it. You might like it. And the house I'm in at the moment, I've spent the past six years building and I documented the whole process because of this one video. This one guy said, why don't you try it? So I've always quite liked video. I've always liked YouTube and thought, yeah, do you know what? I'll give it a go. And I had, I didn't really have great expectations of what was to come from there. And, but I'll tell you what, I've learned a hell of a lot in, in the sort of how long has it been? Four years since I've been doing it. I think it's four years. I mean, that's amazing. The house Rodian is sitting in right now, the background you can see is not one of those fake Zoom backgrounds. It is a house he's built himself, um, which is super awesome. So tell me about creating that first video then. So you had this idea, thought you'd start documenting your journey of building this house on YouTube. Um, you say you didn't really have many expectations, but is that true? Were there no expectations at all? Was it like for yourself? Did you do it to just document your journey or were you trying to inspire others? So to start with, the first video, I'll tell you, if anyone out there hasn't done YouTube yet, wants to do it, the first one, yeah, I'm not going to lie, it's the hardest one. Not necessarily from like pr producing it, like if you know what you're doing, it's relatively simple to produce. It's more of a case of the first time you look at a camera, I vividly remember it. I was stood in the woods making this video because I didn't want anyone to see what I was doing because I was embarrassed about talking to a camera and all that. I stood in the middle of the woods and this camera, once I pressed record, this camera was just staring at me and it was as if it was just saying, entertain me. And I was just like stage fright. So it was it was a very interesting experience. But naturally, when everyone starts a YouTube channel, obviously you want, a, you, you want some sort of recognition, you want some sort of success from it because, I mean, I think interviews, people who interview like kids in school nowadays, it's like one of the top three careers you want to do is be a YouTuber and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's fun. But yeah, that first video, it took me six months to make it. Well, really? I made, I made it I made it four times. Like I reshot it four times, re-edited it, re-edited it, re-edited it. And at some point I was just like, you know what? I'm going to be here for two years doing this. So I just sort of thought, push it out there and just see what the world thinks of it, really. So what kind of feedback did you get then? So you put this video out and I bet there was like, was there fear of uh, what are my friends and family going to think like what are people going to say um that's something common that i normally normally hear from a lot of our rebels who are starting out with video a lot of their fear is around what people closest to them are going to say did you have that kind of fear and what feedback did you get from it so i don't think you ever lose that fear and i think if you kind of lose that fear you kind of 
not really pushing yourself because if you just put stuff up, like I have done it, I'm guilty of it. I put stuff up on a block, man, that's okay. I'll just put that out. And I didn't feel a bit nervous about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. But when you put effort into something, like especially the first video, six months of effort, and then you press that publish button and you're like instantly like, oh my God, you got no subscribers, you got no views, you got nothing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you do think, oh my God, am I going to get one view over the next 10 years or, or whatever? So you, there is a fear there. But the initial feedback, granted, I did tell my friends about it. I told my family, I told my friend's dog about it just to subscribe to it and just give me a few like hits. So I did get sort of like 25 subscribers off that first video, but 95% of them were like my friends. So naturally I got the whole, this is really good, um, proud of you, that kind of thing. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, is it really? Are they just saying that because they're my friends? Um, so there is a little bit of doubt in there, but I think the one thing I could say about that is just do your best to have no fear, but you don't ignore the fear. You want to kind of keep hold of that fear a little bit because that's kind of, you don't want to become numb to it. So yeah, it was, it was a scary prospect. Hence why I re-edited it like 15 times and just spent six months trying to make this one video that I wanted to make perfect. But looking back on it now, I'm just like, oh, I cringe watching it. I hate watching it. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I won't get it up and play it, but um, if anyone wants to go and check out Rodian's YouTube channel, it's called Rodian Builds. Um, so just search YouTube for Rodian Builds. We'll get a, a link in the chat soon um, as well. Okay, so six months to get that first video published. You published it. How prepared were you for that growth? Like, how was the growth quick? Because I think perhaps you've just dropped the first golden nugget which is that you got you you went and asked lots of people to go and hit the subscribe button then you got 25 off the first video which okay maybe you were because you asked them to however i'm sure people were quite interested in what you were doing because it's quite interesting anyway do you feel like that initial hit of subscribers had an impact on the growth or did the growth take a lot longer um to sort of start moving so it, in, in, to put it in perspective, it took me nearly six months to get 100 subscribers. And then it took me another month and a half to go from 100 to 1,000. So it kind of, there's, a, I don't know how many people um, viewing this know who Casey Neistat is, but he, he said he's been quite an influence of mine. And he said in one video that it's difficult, it's really hard to go from one to 100. It's easier to go from 100 to 1,000. It's easier from 1,000 to 100,000. And that is the first 100 is the most difficult to get because no one knows who you are. No one's heard of you apart from your friends, which is, yeah, fair enough. But to get 100 views on a video is, from the beginning, when you expect zero, it, it's a fantastic feeling. And then as long as when your subscribers go up in number, so also do your expectations for a video. Like, for example, I went to a point where I think it was when I was around 5,000 subs, I was expecting 10,000 views on a video, and that almost became my 100. So it, it's all kind of relative as you go up. And yeah, yeah it's a compound effect. Do you know what? It's, it's so transferable to everywhere else. That first 100 is always the hardest. First 100 leads on your email list, first 100 people in your Facebook group. Um, first 100 is is the toughest one. And then you've got that momentum because it's not just the fact that the algorithm's working for you because you're getting the views. It's also because people talk and people share things, right? And so 
you know, I bet there's people going, oh, check this, check this video out to a friend who wants to build a house or, you know, and people just, just share things and word of mouth, word of mouth helps us build momentum. So, yeah, the share, the share icon, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but this, yeah, when, when, when you, when someone shares your video, it's, it's a big, it's a big thing because that just shows YouTube that look, this person likes it and they're sharing it to a friend. So if someone likes it and they're sharing it to a friend, like you don't tell your friend something like, oh, by the way, this is rubbish. Well, I was saying that unless it's rubbish and hilarious, right? You kind of send those things on, don't you? But I generally speaking, share a few of those. <laughs> yeah, but generally speaking, if if it's something good, you're going to share it to your friends, and YouTube see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been we've been cross-examining Facebook metrics, and um, what we found was the share button has the biggest contributing factor to reach. Um, that and comments as well does quite well um i'm just just gonna do a shameless plug here if you're watching this video and you're getting value from it already hit the share button um, and also drop some comments so that we can get it up the algorithm we're fighting through the algorithm to get to the rebels so help us um help us cut down some cut down some bushes so that more rebels can see us amazing so okay first video took so long what about second video then like did what at that point were you was it a lot quicker like, how did that evolution happen to the point where you were just like banging out videos? Because you've done hundreds now. So the first one, like I said, took me six months, but I was already filming other episodes. So what I was doing as I was building the house, what I did was I was filming throughout from Monday to Friday, the work I was doing, and then I'd edit it throughout and then I'd launch it the following Monday, I think it was. So I'd be putting out a video a week. Actually, no, I tell a lie. I think I put it out on a Saturday because... At the time, my thought process was Saturday, everyone's at home, they're going to be watching YouTube. But since then, YouTube have a um, an analytic where it shows you when your uh, viewers are most online. So it's easier to do it now, but back then they didn't have that. So I just guessed. It turns out that Saturday is not the best idea because everyone's out doing stuff. But in the winter, it's a good time to do it. There's a lot There's a lot of little nuances you have to think about when when to post videos. But yeah, so I was, I was filming videos... And I think I got to about three or four. That's when I published my first one. So then from then on, I had a little bit of a buffer. It's always good to have a little bit of a buffer when you're doing videos, because if something goes wrong, like technical malfunction, or you have to reshoot some stuff, it's always good to have at least a week ahead so that you can kind of foresee those issues. But as it was going, I was just completely hit by the bug. I just absolutely loved making videos. it, It was It was more than a hobby. It was almost an obsession for a while. I was just studying the numbers. I was just trying to think about better ways to shoot things like different angles. And I was looking into a lot lot of cinematography on how to kind of like um, make my videos better. So as I was going along, I was just, yeah, I was just addicted. So it was kind of like, I was just feeding that addiction, but it was also, it was kind of working. So I just sort of, I just consistency just kept, kept along with it. Well, that was my next question because a lot of people say, yeah, I'm going to start. I mean, I've certainly gone, right, I'm going to do a video diary of how I go from here to here. And I've done like the first two or three videos and then just not carried on with it. Um, what? So you say you got kind of addicted to it. Like, what do you think? What do you think it was? Was it that you'd found something you were passionate about? Uh, was it the process you loved or was it the feedback? Like, what do you think it was that fueled that? So I've always I've been into photography for well, since since like the mid two thousands early two thousands and photography for me is how I found this guy on YouTube and he did a lot of video and I I was 
I looked at him, I admired him. I was like, what you do is incredible. His name's Peter McKinnon, by the way, if anyone wants to check him out. He's he I learned probably 60 to 70% of all the video photography stuff I know from him. So he he's a good uh, good tool to watch. Um so I'm not calling him a tool, but you know, I mean he's a tool, good to watch him. <laughs> but, right um, that one. Yeah, you know what I mean. But so it was I wasn't at the start, I wasn't necessarily that interested about the progression, like the numbers. I didn't obviously everyone wants to see more subscribers and things like that but I was I was trying not to think about that I was more focused on what I was doing like the process I thoroughly enjoyed the process I enjoy just creating I've enjoyed trying to find little new different camera angles of how to lay a brick because it's very boring just put one brick on top of two trying to find different angles to do that so as I was going along I was trying to figure different things out like that Mm. and yeah it just it it was yeah, phenomenal experience. It sounds like it was fun. You, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun to do. It was in alignment with something that you enjoy, photography, for instance. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I think that's really important, by the way. I'm just going to interject here for, you know, doesn't matter what strategy you're doing, uh, whether you're trying to build an audience on YouTube or whether you're trying to build an audience on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram. I, I honestly feel like. The thing that makes the most sense is to follow what feels fun because if you try and force yourself to do stuff you hate for no reason other than the fact that you should, it's never going to work out, is it? I mean, we've been really consistent with this network and over the last four years, but I think the thing is, is that I find it so fun to bring people together and to, you know, make loads of new connections and to run the community. It's just been a lot of fun. Had it been a video diary that I was just posting, which I've tried doing because I didn't post it anywhere and I just kept it for myself. I didn't keep up with it. And I think, yeah, hashtag follow the fun, ladies and gents. I think that's really important. Do you think that you would have stuck with it even if you hated it? Like if you um, found a real drain? In the start, definitely not. Like, so I have done, like, I just want to say quickly that enjoying it is probably one of the most important aspects of it if you don't enjoy it and you don't post your your followers can see that you're not enjoying it like i'm guilty i have done it i have forced videos out because you're like oh my god what am i going to do now like certain things don't work um and also this is kind of talking about the the video that i've got the almost a million views was almost a forced video but like i said we can discuss that a bit later but you have to enjoy it if you don't enjoy it you're going to come across on screen about that. People can see that you're not enjoying it. Like if you're forcing things out. So I've gone, I've gone sometimes where I haven't posted a video in six months or even a year, just because I'm not in the right headspace. And I'm just like, I'm not, I can't do it just to force it out. So I've, sometimes you have to take a step back if it's, if it's not there. So I'm going to jump ahead and I just want to know about the results and then let's go into how you achieve those results. So just for context, if you just joined this live stream, Rodian was a bricklayer. He decided to build his own house. He then decided to document that journey on YouTube, which resulted in 76,000 subscribers, a video that had a million views. What has that given you? Other than an audience and, you know, a, a little platform, I guess. But what what has that given you? Has that, have there been any hidden opportunities that have come up off the back of that or for instance, monetization on YouTube, like what are the results from having done it? So the one that everyone obviously wants to know about is the monetization. Now, 
<clears throat> when when I first started out, it was sort of like you get 20 quid a week here, 20 quid a week there. But when you start picking it up, like I was a little bit thankful about lockdown because everyone was at home and my views and my subscribers just absolutely skyrocketed. And it was at a point where my best month, this is so including AdSense, uh, I was selling merch and I was doing Amazon links as well. I was earning somewhere in the region of three, three and a half thousand pound a month. Wow. And Great thousand a month that is awesome yeah it's when when you start seeing because those numbers kind of peaked up a bit quickly because of uh, lockdown so then when i started seeing that i was like oh my god all this hard work i've done is actually paying off now so it's that is that the, the, it's kind of like a double-edged sword that is a good thing but also a bad thing because <clears throat> once you start getting a decent amount of money from it you look at it and that's when the, it, you creep into making videos even when you don't want to because you're like oh my god the money's good but i need to keep pumping these videos out constantly and then that's when your viewership drops because you're not making good views uh good videos and it's kind of like a double-edged sword but on the on the flip side of that is that because the intention changes do you think like I, behind why you're making the video is i think so accidentally about you rather than acts rather than about the fact that you're doing it for the love of it or for the people that you're doing it for I think it does become, you start looking, because I spent a lot of time looking in the numbers and that affected me as well. So you kind of lose track of why you're doing it. And then, yeah, I mean, when you see like you're earning a decent amount of money from me, like, oh, hold on a minute. This, it, it turns it from a passion into a job. And sometimes that's not a good thing. Like I, I had to kind of take a step back from there, take a little bit of time and just sort of reevaluate it a little bit and then i have to get my passion back and you kind of have to ignore the money but you can't <laughs> but it is very difficult to kind of balance them yeah i hear that and i think that you know one of the things and there's so many golden nuggets like honestly drop them in the chat what are the golden nuggets you picked up so far because let's create a little notes in the chat i'm looking over there because that's where the chat is for me uh let's create some notes for anyone joining they can catch up on and, and see what the golden nuggets were so put your favorite in the chat so far uh one of the ones i've just picked up on just now is that your energy is so important and i think that your energy is magnetic you know like you said that if you're forcing yourself to do it it's it's it comes across in your videos I think it's to do with the fact that if you're excited, if you're really like into something, that energy that you're giving off is literally it pulls people in and it's really inspirational. You're talking about building a house here. It's like quite a big thing. And it's often on a lot of people. It's a bucket list thing, isn't it? It's on bucket lists for people. It's on my bucket list, although I don't know if I actually want to do it. Definitely not personally. Um but I'd like to delegate it to someone else. Um, but, you know, we were talking about something as exciting or like a one once in a lifetime thing as that or a bucket list thing. And you, you've got to, you've got to look like you're kind of enjoying the process, right? <laughs> like, yeah. There's, this is, this is why you see loads of YouTubers. They've got such high energy, such big energy on the camera. And when you look at like behind the scenes videos, they're just like normal people. But that's the that's one thing that I kind of struggle with. I don't have this big personality. I don't have this big like in your face loud loud sort of personality. What I call a YouTube personality. But I kind of settled into. It took me a while to realise it, but I kind of settled into the the kind of the the underdog. Let's call it like the the uh, quite a relatable person because I would just talk to the camera like I'm talking to my friends. And yeah. that that I had quite a lot of comments where a lot of people liked me purely well watching my videos purely because I was a 
quite a, a relative um oh what's the word like, a, like yeah that's it, a relatable person and I just seem like a normal guy and I kind of feel like that is good because well for me in my opinion that's good but yeah don't get me wrong like look at Mr Beast he's a bit a big personality and he's like one of the biggest creators in the world so yeah it, it goes both ways sometimes you can have this big personality but if you don't have that just find what you are good at and just dial down on that like like I say for me just being a normal dude. <laughs> but that's the whole rebellious concept, you know, like we, we, we're we actually called rebellious business, not because we think that everyone should be an anarchist and chain themselves to something and really know, have some strong belief about something and, you know, streak naked down the street to prove the point. Um, rebellious is just like having the courage and the tenacity to really be yourself online. Because the truth is, is that like what you're saying there, these big personality, I mean, so my kids watch some YouTubers and I'm like, oh, turn it off. Like, I just cannot stand some of the voices. I cannot stand it. some of the like, I, it's just too much. And I think that there is someone for everyone in that sense. It's like, you can't, you can't be attractive to every single human being on this planet. You're either going to be attractive to some of them or attractive to none of them because you're so vanilla that you're invisible you know and people aren't even noticing you that I, is a big, I, sorry i don't mean to interrupt but that is a big thing for all is my train of thought that is a big yeah. thing that you if you try and accommodate to everyone you'll just be all over the place yeah. like i i would spend time looking at the comments and i'd read people people's opinions going oh you should do this but you should you should do this mm-hmm. but it took me a while to realize that if i tried to do everything for everyone it just it just turns into a mess so you kind of have to stay true to yourself and do Think about what your message is, what your what value you're giving to your viewer, and then just stick with that. Because if you start veering and going to different directions, it it gets confusing. Yeah, and and if you are really yourself as well, you're going to attract the kind of people who you would just naturally get on with in the offline world, which isn't so much of a big deal in terms of Facebook because you're not those people aren't in your space; they're just watching your videos. But in terms of building an audience, anyway. In terms of attracting people towards you, you want to be attracting the kind of people that you would naturally get on with. And, you know, we use this in community building as an example, because then you just get a community full of like really awesome people that you would naturally gravitate towards in the normal world. Right. Um, Whereas I think if you're just fake and you're not yourself and you try and change yourself to to please other people, you attract the kind of people that you wouldn't get on with or the kind of people you wouldn't naturally want in your space anyway. And so you just shoot yourself in the foot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> An audience that you don't like. Um, okay, let's get into the let's get into the nitty gritty. So we've gone over kind of like big picture, what you did, kind of you know why you did it, and also what the results were. Um, did you have a mentor on this process? Like, how did you know about the things like keywords? Um, you know the the nitty gritty bits and bobs in there. Did you did you learn that as you went? Were you watching YouTube tutorials? Did you did you buy a course? Like, what did that learning process look like for you? So, in, for me, it was pretty much ninety percent throw it out and see what happens. It was all self taught. Like I did um, towards the later stages, I was doing a lot more like online research, like figuring out what keywords because I never knew what a keyword was when I first started. I was just like, what's a keyword? So then I was just like, okay, that is one of my downfalls is that I'm not very good at my SEO, which is something that I've spent a lot of time um, researching and trying to figure out. So when, you, when you're finding out keywords and figuring out exactly what the video is about. So the trouble that I had 
which it took me a long time to realize was that because I was just building the house and I was filming for a whole week and then I would just put the story, uh, put the video together and edit it all and put it out. I had no uh, background. I had no story in place. I had no actual kind of timeline of the video. It was all just sort of like I started here and then I built this and I did this and I did that. And it's the end of the week. There was no like flow. And it took me a long time to sort of figure out what story actually means. Now, I don't just mean like stories in, like, oh, this little teddy bear went to, to the market, that kind of thing. I mean, just sort of like the arc of how the ups and downs of what's happening in the video. Like I ended up figuring out that at the beginning of the video, I need to sort of show everyone that I have a problem that I need to overcome for that particular video, <clears throat> whether it be I had to build this wall or I had to put this steel in or I had to put these doors on. And it would sort of start with kind of like, what's the problem? And then how am I going to fix it? And then you have to kind of figure out, because you have to do this while you're actually doing the job at the same time. So I was almost doing two jobs at once. And then you have to kind of figure it out. And then you can tweak it in the editing and make it a lot more coherent. But you have to, you really do have to think about it. And it took me years to figure that out. That I mean, that is really smart. That is really smart. So it's not just a case of documenting the fact that you're building a house. You're figuring out, what what story you can tell and every story needs to have a, a problem that someone is solving right there's you know that there's a, a dilemma that comes up how are we going to get around that and that's you know really captures attention that is really smart that you built that in built that yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> I see what did that. yeah um, it's quite it's quite difficult because with again it took me something a long time to realize is mm -hmm. that one of the most powerful things in youtube videos is the thumbnail and the title yeah, that gives because when you think about it, no one. If you're starting out a new channel, no one knows you. No one has a clue who you are. The first time they're ever going to see you is that thumbnail and that title. So if that doesn't make any sense, if that doesn't give anyone the idea of what they want to watch, they're not going to click on it. So you have to. It took me four years to realize you have to start at the thumbnail and the title, which is a lot more difficult when you think about it. Do you start with that? Yeah, that is where you start because without that, like the, the, the issue I had was that I was making the whole video and then at the end I'm sitting at the computer going like, mm, what title am I going to do? What thumbnail? But if you research your market, research your area, like look for keywords and dial down on the, like the trending keywords and things like that, then you find something that's popping off. You take that and you make a title out of it and then you go, right. Okay, now how am I going to make that relevant? You have to have an enticing, bright, colourful thumbnail that people. Could... So, imagine like a stream of fifteen different videos. They all look the same. Why does yours stick out? And if no one's ever heard of you, that is where you start. And when people start picking up on that, you keep going because yeah, you amass subscribers and you amass views and things like that. But you still want new people to come, people that have never heard of you. So again. That is the it's it's essentially the advertisement for you why they're going to pick you. You need to give people value before they've even clicked on the video, or you need to entice people or make people think like, what's he talking about? Like, or another one which is good is make people angry. Not necessarily angry, but make people think like, no, he's saying that wrong. Like, for example, I I shoot with Sony cameras, or no, a better example. Everyone's got either an Android or an iPhone, and if in the title you say iPhone is better than Android, here's why everyone is going to click on that because like, why Why is that better? Like, oh, I think this is better. So you entice other people in and straight away you're thinking about that. Okay. And then just have an image like two phones next to each other. So something versus something. And then people be like, oh, interesting. They're going to click on that and see exactly why that's 
their opinion and they're going to either agree with you or be unhappy and the unhappy ones are generally the ones that comment and tell you you're wrong which is good because you spark people's engagement so okay so you come up with a problem for a video that you want to that you want to shoot so let's say plastering walls right you've got to think okay what's the problem that i've had to overcome to get these walls plastered then but you start with a thumbnail now I can imagine that if we've got a tutorial base, a general kind of tutorial base, let's say we had like a YouTube channel that was teaching people how to use social media, that way around, you know, coming up with the title and the thumbnail and then the video is actually really easy. But hang on, you're building a house here, right? <laughs> so, so you're telling me that you went and did research on titles and thumbnails and then you created the video and that also had to tie in with the kind of schedule or the time scale or the order of things that you were doing whilst building this house. So it's it's kind of right, but kind of not. So okay. the whole house build, yeah, I didn't do that. It took me a long time to learn that. But oh, yeah. when I did start doing that was when I started doing something. It was like my um, my How to Lay Bricks series. It's like a, uh, basically a, a course online. I don't charge for it. It's just videos on my channel. So How to Lay Bricks. So with that one, I had to think, right, what's the title? And this is the one where I've got almost a million, a million views on. It's How to Lay Bricks. And at the time, I didn't realize how powerful that is because it's such a widely uh, Googled thing that – and then from from additional videos, it was more like, okay, what do people need to know? Like how to build a corner, how to build uh, the top part of a wall, how to do this, how to do that. So you look at what I'm going to film, and then I'm going to film it. I'm going to plan it and look at it. And those were the ones that kind of they're the what they're my how to videos are by far and large my top my top videos out of all of my whole top ten list. They're all how to this, how to, how to, how to. There's one or two. Like I used to do um, like extravagant builds. Like, for example, I built an armchair out of bricks um, and I built, um, I used ancient Egyptian bricklaying techniques and those videos did very well because they're, they're also kind of not what you normally see. Like if you pique people's interest, there's the, all these different ideas that if you pique people's interest, then they're going to be like, oh, I've not seen that before. Or if you can think of an idea that people haven't seen before, I haven't seen that. And that's why I came up with that. I saw it and I was like, do you know what? I'm going to plan a video around that and then implement that and it did very well. So the the house build was more of a passion project. Like I wanted to just make the videos just because I enjoyed making them and I wanted to document the house. And when it came to doing the how-to videos, that was more of the, okay, how do I monetize YouTube? Awesome, absolutely awesome. It's so interesting to hear. It's like you've, you passion project, then you've had this, kind of result land in your lap off the back of that and then you've then kind of taken that to the next step and gone right how can I actually get more out of this do more with this give more with this create more with this and then you just honed those skills and created a really awesome strategy would you say like that sounds a little bit like it sounds a little bit like a formula for viral content on YouTube it's like okay so you've got your subject you go and find out um you go and figure out what's 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 trending or what people are searching for then you come up with a problem that you could solve with that oh, no sorry the title the the thumbnail 
And then the story in terms of what's the dilemma that you're overcoming, you film it, and then you publish it on a specific day. Anything else you would add to that formula for YouTube viral content? I just so yeah, no, definitely. So there, are, this is something that has become almost another obsession: is trying to figure out why videos do well. And yeah. what I've learned is we kind of have to thank TikTok for this, but people's attention spans are so much lower now; they need instant gratification straight away. So when I first started doing it doing YouTube, I would do like an intro to my video that maybe lasts 20 seconds or something like that, maybe even 30 or 40 seconds. Mm -hmm. But now you have to get to the point so quickly, yeah. but you don't want to get to the point too quickly, if that makes sense. So you kind of have to, within the first five seconds of your YouTube video, you have to outline what the viewer is going to expect in that video. So for example, if you titled the video, um, Android versus iPhone. You want to say, as soon as the video opens up, you're going to be like, in today's video, we're talking about why Android is better than iPhone. And then that's it. That's your intro. It can't be quicker than five seconds because people, if it's not, if you start waffling on, go, hi, welcome here, blah, 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 blah. People just get bored and just click off. So you have to, the title and the thumbnail get people to click. Your content gets people to stay. So you have to pace it as like, how do I call it? Like a roller coaster. It has to have ups and downs. Like as in you have to have faster speaking points, like with faster cuts between different shots and then to, to sort of build momentum, build tension. And then when you get to the point, you get the, you give them the point and then it slows down a bit. And then you start talking about why, like for example, the chip in this phone is better than this. And you have a little bit of a conversation about it. And then you peak it up again after a minute or so. You have to build that tension. You have to do that constantly for the length of your video. And that keeps people involved. That's exactly what Mr. Beast does. Okay, so that's awesome. So that's to do with the content. So the content itself, and obviously you can also, I've seen a lot of people do that kind of couple of second preview at the beginning where you almost see the car crash and then the video starts. Yeah, that's um, known as the hook. You have to hook people with that. Yeah, it's yeah. like when you go fishing, you know, hook them in. So yeah, exactly that. Absolutely. So then once you've posted it, then you said you got a bit obsessed with the numbers at one point wasn't wasn't the best for perhaps mental health. But in terms of doing that, you probably learned a lot about metrics, what they mean, what to look for. Um, so other than we've spoken about shares, uh, shares are really important. Um, we've also spoken about um, view count, because obviously you've had a video that's had a million views but what are the most important metrics or what other metrics would you be looking out for that denotes whether a video is either going to be or or already high performing um, or getting a good good amount of traction so the two main ones that i found are watch time and click-through rate mm -hmm. so what that means is watch time is kind of self-explanatory it's how long people watch a video for now when you go into the analytics of youtube you, there's there's so much information it's almost it's daunting but if you look at your watch time, it generally starts as a graph that comes up from this side of the screen and it goes down when people click on it and then you want it to level off for as long as possible and as high as possible, which means more people are watching it for longer. And the click-through rate is how many people click on your video. So they're, they're basically, YouTube, just think about it, they push adverts. What is, the whole what is the whole reason that YouTube is there? They push adverts. It's a business. They're not doing this for the fun of it. They're doing it to make money. So they want people to stay watching your videos for longer. And the more people, the more creators they see 
that keep them on the YouTube platform for longer, they're going to push it because they look at it and go, oh, okay, they're watching X amount of these videos, push them more because they seem to like them. So it's something that's very difficult to, to kind of get to a grips with because when you make videos, you think, oh, this is one of the best videos I've ever made. But like, I've done it hundreds, well, maybe not hundreds, but quite a few times. And I think it's the best video I've ever made and it completely tanks. And I'm like, it's heartbreaking because you put your, your energy into it and you're like, well, okay. But the thing you have to do is rather than just keep doing it, like was it Albert Einstein who said, keep the madness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different yeah. results. The definition no, you, of insanity. That's it, definition of insanity. You have to look at it and be like, okay, now as much as it breaks my heart to look at a video that I thought was doing really well and it tanked, you have to look at the metrics and be like, okay, why did it do bad? And what can I do it to make it better? Don't think that you're always high and mighty, the best person in the world to make the best videos because the best mentality you can have is I'm the worst person at making videos. How can I make them better? Whether you are or you aren't, I think it's uh, maybe not the worst. That's a bit harsh on yourself, but you get what I'm trying to say is you have to be self-critical. You have to look at the numbers. You have to figure out why people aren't clicking and try a different thumbnail. Well, that's something YouTube doesn't frown on you if you change the title and the thumbnail six months down the line. I've done it and on a video that I thought was rubbish and ended up increasing the watch time because it was a better thumbnail and a better title. It's the same video, but that goes back to the point of people weren't clicking on it. So you have to be very self-critical and, and just take a look at the numbers. You don't have to deep dive into numbers. Like, for example, there's one where it can tell you what kind of platform they're watching on, whether it be a phone, a tablet, or a PC. That's not quite as important, but definitely click-through rate and watch time. Watch time, in my opinion, well, they're both pretty much, one gets you onto the video, the other one keeps you on the platform, and that's what YouTube want. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, it's interesting because I know that if you go and edit a video on Facebook once you've published it, it kind of loses its trust or something happens and it just plummets. You're better off deleting it and starting again. So it's really interesting to know that you can go back in and edit videos to optimize, to improve, maybe, you know, even adding keywords or changing the thumbnail or adjusting the title. I think that it makes a lot more sense to, well, first and foremost, no matter what kind of con no matter whether you're a content creator no matter whether you're a business owner no matter whether you're a marketer whether you are an agency whether you whatever if you are doing any of these kind of things that require you to put yourself out there or to test messaging or to test things it means that you are a scientist and you mentioned einstein you know i believe that every business owner and obviously all of our audience are, are running businesses are scientists in the sense that every single thing you do, everything you put out there is an experiment. You don't know whether it's going to tank or not. You don't know what the result's going to be because the or, the market never lies. And that's the only real opinion that matters. So you have to put things out there as an experiment and see, but everything is data. And if something tanks, it's data. And it gives you an insight into things. And understanding metrics is super important because I bet if you've got like, you know, quite a low click rate, but actually the ones that are clicking on, you're getting a good view rate. It's indicative that, okay, we need to change the thumbnail. Or if you've got a high click rate and it's like, mm, but the view time's really crap, then maybe the video needs reworking or re-editing. Um, and these, these can give you kind of an indication as to what to change. 
Which the is- good thing, sorry, just quickly before I forget, the good thing about YouTube is it shows you when people are not watching. Like it's a line graph, but when it dips at a sharp point, like a like an icicle, you know, you go to that point in the video and go, like, why do people, like it's showing you that's where people click off. Or when the point goes up, it's showing you that's when people are staying to watch or they're going back to watch that bit more. And you go, okay, so the downs and the ups, it just shows you, make more of this, but the down bits make less of that. And it's, there's so many powerful tools in there. You, you could spend years trying to figure it out, but it's, it's very, very intuitive. Like you can, can find out exactly the points that you need to make improvements on. What about things like TubeBuddy and these third party sort of keyword analysis tools? Do you use anything like that or do you recommend anything like that? So I have, funnily enough, I've needed to cancel this for a while. I've been paying for TubeBuddy for about three years now, and I've only used it for about six months. So I, um, to start with, it was useful. I haven't used it in the past two or three years, so I don't know. I, I hear it's gotten better than it used to be. But I used to go on there just to find out how – I used to use it as, like, help to make titles when, obviously, I made a video, like when I was saying building the house and – I, I had no idea for a title, so I'd use that. But it didn't really work very well for me because when I tried to type in and it would make a, thumb, uh, a title for me, it would just spew out ones that have already been used. So it was basically saying, these do well, kind of take bits out of this. But I think now it's it's a lot more, I think they've incorporated a lot of AI into it. And I think they've got better, um, what they call title generators and things like that. But it's not something that I used a lot. But when you use it correctly, it can be good. Like I probably didn't use it very correctly. So you don't really use anything now. You just. No, I, I just, I I spend a lot more time looking at Google trends Mm. um, and trying to find what, like, for example, trying to find good keywords. So I don't know how many people know this, that YouTube is actually the second most powerful uh, search engine in the world behind Google. So when you go into YouTube, you've got that search bar at the top. What I ended up doing was I spent a lot of time making bricklaying videos. So I would just type in literally bricklaying and it would come up with all of the, um, the search results, but they are in order of highest searched. So it would give you, and that obviously fill out the rest of the title. Like, for example, it might say bricklaying, best of worst things to do. And then you look at that and go, oh, okay. And then you kind of put in front of bricklaying, you might put A or the or when and just different words to spark off what else is happening. And it gives you ideas for what videos to make in that niche. Like you can do it with anything. Just type in iPhone, for example, and it will just come up with best all these different ideas. Then you just play around with the different words that you put before and after it, and it will give you unlimited content ideas. Yeah. So talking about keywords then, because that's, you know, you're using keywords there to try and come up with ideas for different videos, different titles. What about the back-end keywords that you put in behind the video um, in the kind of SEO side of things? Do you like? Do you spend a lot of time and attention figuring out what keywords to use for that? Because I think that's what I used to use TubeBuddy for when I had a YouTube channel that I was, that I, well, I used to run YouTube ads mainly. And then I had a few videos that I put out, mainly just vlogs and random bits and bobs, but I was never consistent with it. But the keywords in the back end, are they important? And do you spend a lot of time researching those? So I to start with, like I said before, I'm I'm not the best SEO in the world at all. I it's something that I've really struggled with. But it took me a while to learn that in the description, you get a chance to put a description of the video, and that is where you put your keywords. 
but YouTube's not stupid. You can't just spam in like bricklaying, block laying, yada yada construction. You have to put it in context, like in a sentence. Like for example, if I'm building a, a wall and or how to lay bricks, for example, I'll put, oh, in today's video, I'll show you how to lay bricks and I use the best brick laying tools to do it. Yada. You have to make it sound like a sentence because yeah, YouTube ain't stupid. They'll their their algorithm will pick it up and be like they'll mark it as spam and then they'll just tank your video. And also um, YouTube tags when you tag it. So they are kind of almost useless at the moment. They used to be quite powerful, but now okay. I, I don't think I've put tags in there for the past like three years. And I've had some of my best videos in that time. And it even tells you on there, these aren't that useful. It's only if someone misspells something. So it's kind of almost useless because you have to misspell everything. And then you're like, okay, that's it's kind of like almost a bit of a waste of time if you don't need to do it. Yeah. So yeah, the description. And also one other thing is I uh, did a bit of research into, so they're, they're able to now read text on screen in your video. So if you have captions, they can, their AI tools can read it and they use that as SEO as well. So it's all kind so if you put your closed captions in, you kind of have to put, make sure you speak your keywords, say the keywords because they can pick that up. They can figure it out from the closed captions and then they can do that as well. I don't think it's quite as, high up on the list but it's definitely something to be made aware of yeah contributing awesome okay right i just want to ask you what was like what was the proudest moment you've had so far or was there a moment where you were like oh my god i can't believe that happened like that's amazing has there been like a an achievement moment where you felt really proud of yourself or really impressed so there's been a couple the first one my first main achievement I was really stoked about was when I hit a thousand subscribers mm-hmm. and so I don't know if anyone knows this but when you get to a hundred thousand they give you a silver plaque and when you get to a million they give you a gold plaque and I was like hey why am I being left out a million so um at a thousand so I built one I built a YouTube play button in my back garden when I hit a thousand and that was a big achievement because it's still there it's like I'm kind of looking at it right now through my back window and it it's sort of a constant reminder that yeah you worked hard and you get there but one, I think one of the other ones that stuck out with me was when I was around 50,000 and everything started popping off. And I remember I got 12,000 subscribers in a month and I was like, what the hell is happening? And one of my videos just took off and it just, yeah, that's kind of where things sort of spiked a bit. That was a proud moment. But I think the, the main one was a thousand. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that you made your own, your own award in the garden and is like a permanent feature that'll always be there even if you sell the house yeah I was I was going to knock it down but I thought you know what now I like it I'll leave it so I left it do you know what I think it's so cool like if you ever did sell that house the whole process of how it's built is documented on YouTube I'd be interested to know if that drives (laughs) if that drives the price up of it you know like it does it make the house more valuable it's a famous house you've got I wouldn't I wouldn't use the word famous I'm not famous I'm just a guy from Surrey there's no fame here no it's the like, house the house oh right, oh, right. okay yeah it makes you feel better the <laughs> the it's house. not me it's the house yeah maybe the house is famous yeah um look Rodian thank you so much for everything that you shared so far guys have anyone has anyone got any questions please get them dropped in the chat if you've got any questions um for Rodian because it would be really great to hear from you if there's anything you want Rodian to answer now is your opportunity he does not do uh, YouTube tutorials 
um, or teach people how to build and grow successful YouTube channels, but he has built and grown one himself. Um, and it's so great to be able to tap into his brain right now to ask him questions. So if you've got any, please drop them. Um, I think we've got um, Eddie saying he feels inspired to do a YouTube channel. He is, Eddie's a, Eddie's a gardening coach. He teaches people how to basically um, grow their own vegetables so that they can be self-reliant food-wise and also, you know, grow homegrown organic vegetables. And that could definitely be something that would work. As a that, that is, uh, you, you should do it, 100%. I tell a lot of people, I meet people in the pub and I'm like, you need to do a YouTube channel. I talk to everyone into doing it. But especially things like that, like my friend, he's mad into bonsai trees. He loves bonsai trees. Every other day he's sending me videos of bonsai trees because I talk to him about it. I've actually got one, but um, gardening, there's so such a big a big market for gardening, like just give it a go, try it. I would definitely say it, especially when you're teaching people things. You've got to, got to remember that, like what value are you giving people? And if you're teaching people how to do this, how to grow certain vegetables and all that, there, there's a massive market in there. Definitely go for it, 100%. I agree. So where would you recommend he got started or what advice would you give to him or anyone else that wants to get started because they feel inspired after hearing your story? The first thing I'd say is do what I didn't do and research your videos. Like, look at what people want. That's a main thing. Look at what people want to watch. Not a case of what you want to make, but that but that has to be a part of it. But you, you kind of need to, you need to, especially when you're starting out, you need to find what people want and give them what they want. Spend a lot of time on the titles, spend a lot of time on the thumbnails and try and pace your videos. You got to spend a bit of time doing that. Like I said, no more than three to five seconds when you're doing an intro and pace it so it's got those ups and those downs and, and kind of like just make sure you give people valid information. So, yeah, do, do a bit of research. I'm not saying like spend six months researching video, but just like look into it because you clearly know what you're talking about if you're, if, you're, if you're doing it. So, yeah, just just put some structure in your videos and good title, good thumbnail and keep an eye on that click through and um, watch rate. So, yeah, that's my advice. And what about what about when people start engaging with your videos? Is it important to reply to the comments and really engage with people? For the first, for the first like year or so, I replied to every single comment, like every single one that would come through. I replied to everyone, be like, "Hey, how are you?" It builds, um, it builds a community, and you get to know. Like I, certain people would like every video I put up, and I got to know them because they would comment and I'd have a conversation with them. But when it got to a certain point, I was spending two hours a day replying to comments, and I was like, "I physically cannot do this anymore." It gets to a point where you have to think rationally and be like. What can I do and what can't I do? If you don't have the time, just do your best. One good thing that I did do was I, I, I'd let people know um, for the first hour I, I post a video, I'll reply to every comment. So that's a good way when you get to a certain size. And then sort of it, it also increases the ability for people to comment on your video in the first hour because they get to talk to you. And that obviously everyone knows that comments, likes and all that, it does mean something. So that bumps that up. Yeah. And when it bumps it up at the beginning of a video, YouTube goes, oh, okay, that's good straight away. Just push it out more. So that works quite well. Nice. Nice. I like that. Okay, cool. Um, we've got a couple of questions from people. Uh, John's asking, what was the topic of your first video? The topic of my first video was, uh, forget the title, but I was just explaining that I'm going to be building a house. And it, like I said, it was me walking through the woods because... 
I'm a bit of a hippie. I like the woods. And there was no house at the time. There was just, there was, it was empty. So I was just walking through the woods talking about what I'm going to do, what I'm planning on doing. And I'm quite, quite surprised that to this day, I think it's got like 25,000 views and people are like, Oh, this is going to be good. So it kind of gave people the expectation of what the channel is going to be. That was my first video. Fab. So you, you hadn't started building the house at that point. No, I, there was nothing there. There was, there was just complete an empty plot and yeah, nothing inside. The very next video was the first day on the job. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool that you've got that from pre pre starting. That first video wasn't even hadn't even began yet. Okay, cool. Um, Kelly's asking, did you try to recreate this on other channels, say Instagram or anywhere else? I had, I did do an Instagram on the side with it, um, but that was just kind of like, this was pre-reels. So I was just, every time I would do a build or or part of the part of the house, I would take photos and just sort of try and get a little bit of um, cross-platform traction. Um, I don't think, I mean, that was more of a passion project because I only had like five or 6,000 followers on Instagram. That was just, it was also a good place to talk to people in the community. But now with Reels, Reels are now apparently just like astronomically more powerful than images on Instagram. And I've always been a little bit, I don't like the vertical video. I like horizontal. I'm a bit of a cinemaphile. I like 21 by 9, black bars, proper film. Really hard to like cross, like cross share things when you've got some places want vertical, some places are horizontal like it's super challenging uh because obviously then you change it and it just looks crap and it's almost like you've got to shoot it with two different lenses and i can imagine it's just like oh so annoying it is um, it is quite difficult but a quick tip on that one if you do want to say how i'm speaking to you all now if you want to turn this into a short or something like that try and shoot it in 4k because then you can crop in these sides and zoom in maybe and you don't lose quite as much um data but the on the flip side when you post to YouTube, it's quite strange because people like watching in 1080 because it seems more homemade rather than high production value. But again, that goes back to kind of depends what you're talking about. Like for me, I, I started shooting everything in 4K and it helped because in post-processing, you can zoom in, zoom out, and you don't lose as much quality. But if it's kind of more sort of like, I don't know, use the word bootleg videos like just vlogs and stuff like that or or if it's kind of you want that kind of ratty look just use your phone use 1080 and it works just fine have you heard of opus pro um i've heard of it but i couldn't tell you what it is we started using it uh last week um and it's a bit of software that you can drop the link to your youtube video into it and it just snips it up into yeah the- yeah i have heard about that yeah 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 yeah, maybe that's that's something that you could do to start repurposing some of these bits. But um... the thing, the other thing, quickly about shorts is from what I I've only done a handful of shorts. I'm not massive into them, but I've watched a lot of videos about research into it. And you have to be careful because some people have got channels where they've got big because of their shorts. Their shorts get hundreds of millions of views, but their long form content gets like fifty thousand. So you have to be careful. Because the, from my understanding, it could be different now, but my understanding is that the YouTube algorithm can't differentiate between long-form content and shorts. They, they're not the same pool of information. So when YouTube pushes your long-form or maybe your shorts, it won't push the other one. 
it may bring subscribers in having these hundreds of millions of viewers on shorts, but it doesn't necessarily translate to your long form content. So you kind of have to be a bit mindful to your own looking into that, because like I say, I'm not, a, I don't know a terrible amount of that. Is the short form content not monetizable in the same way? No, short form content, you have to have 10 million views in the previous 90 days for it to be monetized. And you don't earn as much from shorts because it's shorter. 10 million views in 90 days. That's that just goes to show the, the relative, because with YouTube, you have to have a thousand subscribers and 4,000 watch hours in the past year. So it just goes to show that shorts are viewed a hell of a lot more than long form, but they don't necessarily transfer it over. Well, that is very interesting. That is super interesting to hear. Rodian, thank you so much for your time. It's been no worries. freaking awesome to have you on. Huge kudos for not only building your own house, but also like getting paid to build your own house from YouTube at the same time. I just think it's absolutely epic what you've done. Um, guys, I've dropped Rodian's um, YouTube channel into the chat over on Facebook and also into the chat here go subscribe and check out some of his videos because there's some really, really cool things on there, especially if building a house is on your bucket list, but also just to go and support someone who's just given you freaking tons of golden nuggets just out of the kindness of his own heart because he's a really good egg. Rodian, thank you so much. It's been great to have you on. No worries. Thank you very much for having me.